Hi, this is Simon Yeo. Thank you so much for subscribing to my podcast, Simon Says. I want you to know that I appreciate every one of you out there for tuning in. Now check out today's podcast. Salutations, Simon Sayers. My name is Simon Yeo and welcome back to episode 1, season 2 of our podcast. It's great to be finally back after a few months of break and it has been a good time for me personally just contemplating the state of the affair of our nations and also begin to consider the issues that we want to bring up here in this program. Now, the goal of this podcast remains the same as season 1, and it is to encourage the spirit of nation-building in Malaysia through sharing and a discussion of various issues. Now, what we want to do here is, of course, to encourage all the listeners to develop your own personal stance and convictions through listening to various programs, reading, uh, vetting all the media and other material, and of course, at the same time, you want to add in your own personal research. Now, in the first season, we went through broad topics such as the rule of law, the judiciary, the media, we talk about new generation voters, and if you want to quickly get up to speed with all these issues, uh, feel free to go back and listen to the episodes in season one. They are just uh, around 15 to 20 minutes long, so very easy uh, for you to catch up. Now, in this season two, what we want to do is to attempt to look at specific issues that will affect ordinary folks like you and me. So it's more like we're looking at what's the current issue and we'll begin a discussion as a way to process how we want to approach the issue. So here we are right now, February 2021. And it's almost one year since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is the one issue that is still lingering. And everywhere we see, nations are still grappling. They are still struggling in terms of how best to handle this situation. So if we look at Malaysia, uh, you know, for example, in recent weeks, the official numbers of cases in Malaysia have reached all-time high. Now, of course, there are competing and contradictory views on how to handle these matters. On one hand, you have those who advocate extreme strict lockdown as a way to manage the numbers. So this so-called group seems to say that physical health is most important. It's the number one priority regardless of everything else. Then you have those who argue from a social economic point of view and how the lockdown had adverse effects, not just from an economy's perspective, but they look at other social factors like domestic issues, educational issues, children as, and students are not learning well, and the development of many are being stunted. Then, of course, there are those who look at the numbers, look at the statistics, and there is one statistic which is just very confounding, and it is really the number of deaths, COVID-19 deaths in Malaysia since the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020. Up till now, we have registered still less than 1,000 deaths. That's 1,000 in a year. And this statistics is used by some to argue that perhaps we, and when I say we here, I'm referring to the general consensus in our nation. 
perhaps we have overplayed the danger of COVID-19 and that we need to have an open mind to consider all these issues. Now with this, I want to begin to discuss the topic I want to discuss today, which is the role of globalism in the whole pandemic. Some of you will be like, what has globalism got to do with pandemic? So just uh, give me a few minutes to explain what I mean by globalism, and then I'll begin to try to explain how it links to the whole pandemic response and strategy. Now, Globalism is a massive topic that deserves many sessions of discussions. But in relation to the issue of pandemic, we can view globalism as the driving force. So try to think of it as the kind of force that sets the tone for global response in all issues, including pandemic. So we see this manifest very often among different nations, but especially the smaller nations and Malaysia definitely qualifies as one of the smaller nations. Because the smaller nations are constantly being influenced, being leveraged upon, and to a large degree, you can say the smaller nations are being forced by the more powerful nations to conduct matters in a specific way. This is true for many, many arenas, such as trading, the economy, foreign policy, governance, and also to the pandemic response. So if we view globalism as a force, we can begin to look from the perspective of a broad list of values and specifications. So what do they represent? So it is like saying, this is what we believed to be good. And who are we here? We here generally refer to the general consensus among the major players. So you can see that with globalism, there are those power players, those with such influence, the big nations, those with very, very strong political, economic influence. These are the major players. So if you want to use a slogan to describe them, and the slogan will be, this is the way. You know, some of you may have watched the critically acclaimed Star Wars show, The Mandalorian, and inside the show, the main character, Mandalorian, or just simply called Mando, whenever he is behaving in accordance to the expectation of his people, he will always say, this is the way. So from that perspective, globalism can be likened to an expected mindset and paradigm. Now, paradigm is simply the way a person looks at the world through his or her perspective. So globalism as a force sort of put that expectation and this is how everyone is supposed to behave. Now at this point, you may be wondering, what's the big deal with globalism? It has already been happening for a long time. And it is true. But in terms of pandemic era, the big deal is due to the massive power and influence yielded by the major players of globalism. These players have more influence over the average person than you and me can ever know. So at this point, some of you will be wondering, who are the major players? Who exactly are they? So they include major geopolitical blocs, obviously organizations like United Nations, EU. Then you have international entities like World Bank, IMF, 
You have major projects, initiatives like China's Belt and Road Initiative, BitTax, the Facebook, the Google, the Microsoft. You have mainstream media. Hollywood is a tremendous influence worldwide because of their movies and entertainment, Wall Street with their money, and etc. And, and you can almost refer them to as the elite because I like to call them the permanent class of political economic masters. Now, I know this can be a very complex discussion, but at this point, it is sufficient to say that these group of people, they exert tremendous pressure and influence over all of humanity. In fact, over the entire earth. It affects creation, it affects our environment, everything. Now, remember this ruling class, remember the slogan, this is the way they like things to be done in a certain way. And that is the reason why they were so rattled when events outside their expectations took place. For example, Brexit or for example, the election of Donald Trump in 2016. And because of that, they will do everything in their might to prevent the same from happening. Now, in an increasingly not subtle way, globalism has put a demand for their values to be accepted. So it's like they are saying, we have, we know better, you all should follow us. It is either our way or the highway. Now, the other thing to remember is that all the different key players in globalism, they all have different pet issues, okay? So some uh, are more into energy conversations, some are more into political correct posture, some are into gender identity, racial identity. Now, by the way, when we talk about gender identity and racial identity, these are not the same as gender and racial equality. Now, equality is a sense of true fairness. And in fact, if you study the British legal system history, equity, which is based on equality, is developed out of a sense of fairness and justice. And it is generally considered a superior common law. Now, identity, on the other hand, is all about perception. So that is where we get all these inclusive policies that are coming up and becoming very popular amongst big corporations. And for example, they will say, look, we ought to have a color person. We ought to have an Asian person in this technical position, in this board, because we need to include everyone. But actually, that is the exact opposite of equality. And actually, you can say that is actually racism. Why is that so? That is because a person can only get a position due to his or her color skin, and that totally disrespects their talents and ability. Anyway, the whole issue about identity and equality, that's a very huge topic which we don't have much time to talk about today. So let's begin to examine in very broad uh, strokes how globalism has affected the pandemic response, especially from the perspective of Malaysia. Now, the first thing we have to recognize and to understand is that when COVID-19 first came out, it is a new virus. So that's why it is considered a novel virus. So that means certain precautions demonstrated in the earlier days are warranted, are justified. But what happens is after one year, why are we still 
demonstrating these sort of precautions, which at times seems totally unreasonable and out of common sense. Now, another thing we need to understand is that in this part of the world, talking about Asia, talking about Southeast Asia, we had similar experience uh, with pandemic like COVID-19 with the SARS outbreak years ago. One of the interesting things that we can see is that the response of many nations, even those with experience with SARS, their response to COVID-19 are totally different, drastically different. Now, I already alluded to the fact that this is a new virus and precautions can be taken. But the question to us is really this. Is COVID-19 really so dangerous that it warrants such extreme measures? So I'm going to outline some of the measures in a while, okay? Now, earlier on, I already mentioned that there are differences of opinions among scientists, among economists, those in charge, you know, how to respond. And that's perfectly fine. We live in a plural society. They, they are bound to be difference of opinion, and, and that's fine. We have to find a way to make it work. But what is frustrating and annoying is the fact that there seems to be an absolute message that comes from the master of globalism. And this is where we need to begin to see the power that is driving the response. And there seems to be a message and there seems to be a uniform response. This is the way. And if any of us have dissenting voices, whether it's scientific or not, those voices are swiftly swept away. If you disagree with the globalist positions on the pandemic, you are either a bigot or you are stupid. That's unfortunately the reality of what's happening. So let's look at some of the issues that come out with the pandemic response, okay? Now, the first one is really the adoption of lockdown as the primary measure. And actually, in some places, that is the only measure dealing with the pandemic. Now, I'm not saying that lockdown is bad. Not at all. In fact, lockdown can be very important. But it seems like from a certain perspective, this is like the only workable way. Now, lockdown unfortunately, has a lot of support from the medical and academic community. And they kept on saying that it is important. But up till now, one year after the pandemic has kicked off, we still have not seen clear and indisputable evidence of the effectiveness of lockdown. And that's just the reality. When you ask for data, you ask for research, you know, is this helping? Nobody can come up with a very conclusive argument. So, you can say, in some ways, Malaysia, being a smaller nation, we are being pressured to adopt the same posture of lockdown. And you see many nations, they have lockdowns that are much, much more extreme. Actually, when I look at Malaysia, I'm of the view that our lockdown is not as bad as many of the other nations. So, in terms of how many of the various economic sectors in Malaysia are still allowed to function. Of course, uh, I'm not talking about other governmental policies since March 2020, which some have been simply bad and atrocious, okay? So that's the first thing, that there is just that blind adoption of lockdowns, even though we are not seeing the result, the intended result. Now, secondly, there is the issue that is the air of dread and fear. 
And it's like, if you go out, you can just feel the fear around. If you go online and read what people are saying, you can just feel the fear. And that fear is being driven and is being pushed out and they I even say, being manufactured by the globalist players, especially in the media, the mainstream media, in the big tech, in the elite universities. You see, they want to push the fear. The way they talk is so uniform, so consistent. And you wonder if they all received the same script. I don't know who is the big brother, okay? But they, they, they all talk the same, which is just unbelievable. So it seems so fashionable to say everything will be back. We need to lock down. Small businesses must stay locked down. But on the other hand, Walmart, Amazon, Lazada, Shopee, all can continue to operate. All these big companies with big investors all can continue to operate. And then you have idiotic statements like, oh, we shouldn't go back to university or school until 2022. And perhaps this group of people, they will not be satisfied until we all migrated to other planets in the solar system. So what I'm trying to say is that the response has been disproportionately bad. And it's like we are not using our common sense. So again, if anyone tries to present a dissenting view, whether it's scientific or otherwise, these voices will quickly be classified as you are liars, you are, you are giving out hopes, etc., etc. So that's the second issue. Now the third issue caused by this pandemic is really fear has caused people to give up their personal liberties. So now we are increasingly seeing a very high level of government interference in our daily lives. See, for example, in Malaysia, we all know this, that emergency has been declared until August 2021. Now, this is another topic that we may discuss in another episode. And in reality, you know, the emergency has been declared for two or three weeks. Nobody can see any difference between pre-emergency and post-emergency. It's like business as usual. Then, of course, our neighboring Myanmar did the same with the military coup, etc., etc. Now, with the emergency, initially, I did find some pushback, some outrage against the emergency. Uh, you know, there's discussion about the law, whether it's really necessary. But you know, what? unfortunately, what I've noticed is that eventually people just accept it as it is. I suppose perhaps people are tired with the continual incompetence of our government and some people just gave up. That's unfortunate. So this fear, this global fear, caused people to readily surrender their civil liberties and freedoms. And they justify in the name of health and safekeeping. See, one of the things that is very important, especially, you know, especially in this part of the world where we have a history of just government interference, corruption, systemic corruption, we must ensure that government does not overly interfere with private daily lives of normal law-abiding citizens. We're not talking about those people who break the law. We're talking about those people who respect the law, who want to cooperate with the government, but nevertheless, their lives, their livelihood are being encroached in a very severe manner by the civil government. So here's how I want to finish today. And really, you know, when the pandemic started in March 2020, 
many have hoped that the year will pass. You know, they'll be like, okay, maybe by Christmas 2020, we'll be able to fly. Uh, maybe by then, everything will be normal. But now we are two months into 2021, and it doesn't seem like this year will be a good year. And in fact, many had given up the hope that 2021 will be a good year. And they're like, let's wait for another year. Yes, we have entered into a new stage of new normal, okay? And we have heard this expression again and again. The way we live have changed forever, some for the better, some for the worse. See, many of us have learned to live with less. You know, less traveling, less holidays, less wasting, less luxuries. Those are the good points. But there is also a price that we have been paying. We have compromised and gave up basic freedom and liberties. We seem to overvalue physical health over other social economic issues like mental health, like personal development, like education, our, our children, etc., etc. Even with the vaccines being deployed just round the corner, many continue to view this as a never-ending drama. So that's why in the next few episodes and sessions, I want to continue to explore the different issues that continue to affect us as a people and as a nation. And I really strongly believe that we need to have the right and positive mindset in order to overcome the challenges and adversity that we are seeing right now. See, the pandemic, COVID-19 have unleashed something which tested us like never before. We must not give into the atmosphere of fear because fear is paralyzing us. Fear is causing us not to be able to respond in the right way. Okay, so that's it for today and I'm looking forward to come back with additional episodes that will touch the various issues that we Malaysians will be interested to hear and to discuss. So that's it for now. Bye-bye.